Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli, and I have been told I am the living embodiment of the ancient aliens meme. And with me is... I am uh, Andrew Weissel. I am a priest of the Temple of Syrinx. Um, you can find me on Tumblr, on the blog Sarpedian Empires Volume 8. I'm on Twitter. do a lot of content stuff with Magic the Gathering Salvation. And I'm the one who has associated Jay with the ancient aliens uh <laughs> meme it's great and i'm carrie barkett i'm an adequate co-host oh, sh- that was last time's carrie get with the time this is family friendly for all those seven-year-olds who are really invested deeply in the lore okay so uh today we want to talk about masters 25 masters now, the set suite master <laughs> Now, Masters 25, besides disappointing everyone because it didn't bring them back to their childhood in a Quantum Leap-esque scenario, uh, had a lot of really cool flavor and throwbacks despite that. So what we're going to talk it, about today... It's actually today, a, a set, and I've seen people excited about just about every single card that was previewed, and uh, the disappointment's really overblown. I really like this yeah. set a lot, and people seem pretty hyped and limited look sweet. But this is a Vorthos podcast and there are so many juicy things to talk about yeah there are just for perspective there are about 39 new pieces of artwork introduced uh not including the magic online only arts that have only just now been reprinted in physical card form uh and to put that in perspective like most of the previous masters sets with the exception of eternal masters have had about 20 with the 2015 edition only having four new pieces of artwork. Yeah, that was uh, Yeah. So, I, I mean, we, you, you can't beat Eternal Masters, which had like 50, but this is pretty close. There's also uh, 33 pieces of new flavor text. Uh, some, yes. some, ca- some cards getting new flavor text to go with their new arts, some cards getting flavor text for the first time, uh, like some of the cards printed from older sets uh, that didn't have flavor text because the the rules text was so clunkily worded are getting uh, new flavor text there's like a lot of cards from from alpha or like portal sets that didn't have as much flavor text in general are getting flavor text so it's cool yeah all right so let's start uh with a couple of the gatewatch references we saw the first is valor in i thought we were talking about top draft commons Oh jeez, no, no. I'm. It's okay. It's I mean, probably as a, murder. As amazing as I am at Magic cards, the game. Uh, we're here just to talk about the lore, like I'm Valor sorry. and Acros. Like Valor and Acros. Yeah, there you go. So Valor See, and Acros. <laughs> Valor and Acros is a uh, a reprint of a Magic Origins card, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, because it's got you the water right watermark, there, which is also a cool fourth list thing. But also, a yeah, thing. I really like also a good unset thing. I really like that uh, that touch that they've put into this. Uh, that's that's a really cool flavor thing to see uh, a watermark of the set where the card first appeared, and some of these set symbols look really really cool. Yeah. So Valor and Acros. Anyway, this one's this one's pretty simple. It's basically a perspective shift of Gideon defending Acros when. Uh, all those monsters were invading, fleeing from Erebos's Titan. Uh, 
I don't really have anything else to say about it. Like it's it's a the cool... camera shifted like forty five degrees. Yeah, and then it... zoomed in on the hands. Yeah, um, and if you if you compare the art of of Valorant Akros with Kithian's Irregulars, also from Magical Origins, um, you can see the four figures from his Irregulars are with Kithian in the center there in Valorant Akros. So it, they they've they've kept those same characters for this whole uh, art shift. Just neat. What's very cool about a lot of these reprints is they keep the spirit of the originals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of them really are just perspective shifts, and we'll talk about those when we get them. But let's talk about the coolest piece of flavor text in the set, which uh, was written by Kelly Diggs himself. Uh, and Andrew, you're the one who first discovered it, so why don't I let you talk about it? Yeah, so uh, Ricardo's Will-O-The-Wisp, which uh, is, is a real phenomenon in in folklore they're described as often blue lights that kind of dance through the forest um in reality they're uh probably methane flashes off of uh, peat bogs deep in the woods they've popped up in european folklore pretty much forever they factored into bram stoker's dracula for example but uh, it's, it's a card that's been around magic since the beginning and we get new flavor text that is very important for a certain necromancer. I'll read the text since uh, you probably don't have the card right in front of you because it's not out yet. And it's a quotation. On dark nights, you can still see the light of the Vesker's lantern out in the Caligo, seeking her lost brother. Those who follow are doomed to join her endless search. Quote, the fall of the house of Vess. Uh, there's a couple really good details in here. The Caligo is a reference to the Caligo Forest, which is the forest next to Liliana's household. It's where she first encounters the Raven Man. It's where she finds the uh, the Aces root that she uses to turn into a potion that turns her brother, uh, who's also mentioned here, Josu, into an undead monster. And this is the event that triggered Liliana's spark ignition. What's really neat is that this is its own piece of folklore about what these lights mean, which is kind of a in in the magic universe reimagining of the actual human folklore that I mentioned earlier. So it's kind of it's kind of neat that the lights are an, uh, a focus of this uh, kind of shared local mythology, no matter where they turn up. And it, it's kind of like Liliana just disappears on that night, because she's a planeswalker and left the whole realm of existence on La Manaria. So this is kind of a look into what do the locals probably think about that event that happened? Because, you know, there were other healers in the castle, there are soldiers, there's the rest of the Vest family, uh, and it probably didn't turn out too well, because the quote is, the fall of the House of Vest, which means this is, they were probably pretty famous, and now they're gone. So, like, it it hints at something terrible that has happened in the wake of that whole pivotal moment in Liliana's life, which is so cool. And, I'm hoping, is a hint for what's coming up in this next set, Dominaria, as Liliana oh, yeah. returns home. Um, and the, the one detail that has almost never been publicized largely about Lilina is that she still wants to save Josu. That's like 
the one thing it's it's talked about as the one thing she could never accomplish as a premending planeswalker is is fixing Josu. Um and it's like she she thinks about him still. It like it gets like once a year it'll get mentioned in a single line in a single story. Something about Liliana wanting to help Josu. And people pass it by again and again and again. But it's this it's this important part of her character, and and I'm really hoping that gets really comes to the forefront of Dominaria's story. Um, but that's a lot about one card, so let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next card we have on our list, we want to talk about some of the Frexian invasion flavor that is in this set. Uh, so the first card on our list is Exclude, which depicts um, the original card has Tefiri. Uh, casting a spell on a Phyrexian Rager. And this card uh, is still a Phyrexian Rager uh, getting dismissed with a new flavor text from Tefiri, calling it uh, terrifying, but thankfully temporary. Yeah, just a, it's it's a cool art throwback. I, I love when, when spells uh, reference a specific creature from either the same set or past set. I, I, I like when that kind of consistency appears in Magic Art, and, and this is one of those instances where you can you can specifically recognize. Like, uh, Frexian Raiders also appeared in uh, Magical Origins on a card, uh, Shadows of the Past. You can see the, um, you see, like, the skull shape and, and that hump behind the head sitting in a swamp decaying. <laughs> Next up on our list is Unearth, which, Andrew, you had wanted to talk about. Yeah, because it's awesome. Um... In the, in the same thing, this is another one where it references a specific card, and, and that card is Frexian Negator, which when it was printed, it was, you know, you could do things like turn one swamp, dark ritual, play next Frexian Negator, which is a 5-5 trample, and your opponent just shrugs um, and dies, uh, often very quickly. <laughs> so in a master set, alluding to that kind of power... Um, because so so that's a title on Earth rules text also, which it uh, reanimates a creature with converted mana cost three or less, which is Frexian the Gator cost two and a black. So you could do the same kind of trick, just reanimating it. Um, and it's also got this awesome like Frexian the Gator already had this kind of Xenomorph vibe from Aliens, um, and this art having it like crawling out from the ground in this like green haze between these rocks and this little crevice like delicate but like hulkingly deadly at the same time like it's it's that same exact horror vibe from the creature design and that kind of oblique alien reference it's just like the art is so cool this is like it's it's just awesome so the next card up uh that we want to talk about is ensnaring bridge uh, which is an awesome card by Titus Lunter, who just, he, he's he's one of those amazing new artists that have been, over the last, like, two years, really made a name for himself in the in the community. And normally does always, lands. Uh, yeah, exactly. Artifact. He usually does landscapes, so he got something really interesting this time. And why don't I let Carrie talk about this one? Um, Ensnaring Bridge shows pretty much exact same scene as the original art had which was the bridge and the stronghold this one shows gerard from walking towards them and the flowstone has a little bit more hand shape 
Um, but I posted the excerpt on Twitter of the original scene as it came about in the novel, and this almost matches it completely. Gerard startled at first, moves back, and then he wisely grabs a shapeshifter's body, tosses it onto the bridge, lets <laughs> the bridge deal with that, and then they just sneak past. <laughs> which <laughs> is a fun way. You can't do that in the game. Uh, it's a great like yeah. D&D party solution to a problem. Yeah. Alright, so next up on our list is Kavu Climber, and to give some people a little bit of background on the Kavu, they were beings from these volcanic caverns beneath Yavamaya uh, that had never really seen the surface, but during the Phyrexian invasion, Multani begs, uh, while Yavamaya is being invaded, Multani begs Gaia, who is the world soul, uh, for aid in defending the forest, and like these caverns open up and all these kavu come pouring out and it just so happens their favorite dish is phyrexian um so they come in essentially two varieties there's the four-legged ones that tend to be red and the six-legged ones which tend to be older and tend to be green um and this is just a really cool image of these very unique dominarian creatures yep uh hope we see them when we return to dominaria also people like kavu so the Kavu are one of those really unique Dominarian features. So it, I, I, I can't imagine a set where we won't be seeing them again, a Dominaria set where we won't be seeing them again. And speaking of Dominaria, uh, let's jump into the new Ice Age flavor we got with Balduvian Horde and Pillage. Uh, I think between all of us, the Ice Age is one of our favorite settings on Yeah, we Dominaria. did a whole podcast about it last week. Yeah, we did. So obviously we're very excited and I love one of the big problems with older lore is that there's no artwork to go along with it. I love posting artwork when I talk about these stories to get people like yeah, this, interested. This is this is the big content creator problem, especially for the people who write articles is finding finding art to go with your pieces and when you talk about old stuff like so, the cutoff is a, about shards of Alara is when we start seeing high res images of Magic Art posted online, much more. But even then, it's like yeah. six hundred by four hundred inside of articles, so it's not today's standards. Right, right. Oh yeah, nowadays you have artists posting you know nine thousand pixel wide high res pieces of yeah, stuff. It's great. So nice. It's shards so nice. of Alara. You just kind of drag it out, and then you add a blur, and then you're like, hey, it's a background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, what I like about Balduvian Horde and Pillage is it gives us some nice high-res artwork of the time, mm-hmm. which adds to uh, the Lavisa Cold Eyes, which was done for Might versus Magic. What was it called? Might versus something or other dual deck? Mind versus Might. Mind versus Might. Thank you. Um, so Lavisa Cold Eyes got some awesome new art, and uh, these Balduvians are based on her. And one important, I don't know if it's going to be important or not, thing to note is that uh, the old Balduvians used to have a whole lot of woad, uh, like they would have these this blue body paint, and in all the more recent art we've seen, none of them have it, but we've seen like Viking-esque characters like Saskia from Commander, what was it, 2016? Um, yeah. We see her with woad and face paint, and other characters with woad and face paint. I saw Inala uh, last year. Like Inala from Commander 2017. Um so my thought is that's a visual feature they're reserving for whatever the Viking world is going to be Hopefully rather than, yeah, uh, rather than using it for, um, 
the Balduvians, who have long since become part of New Argive. So with that, let's jump to Mirrodin flavor. And um, Mirrodin, one of the first things you'll notice is Spike Shot Goblin looks nothing like his uh, original artwork. Yeah, original Mirrodin had weird visual things. Well, and morphologically, Old Magic had the trend of everything on every plane kind of looked the same. So you'll notice like like goblins mostly look the same from plane to plane. Uh, Mogs kind of have this this sloped Neanderthal skull shape um, that's kind of unique to them. But for the for the most part, like the goblins in Otaria in on, the onslaught block look almost exactly like the goblins in Mirrodin, a whole plane away in the Mirrodin. Which was block. Right, the right next, yeah, the next like, block, like, which doesn't make any sense. So yeah. uh, Scars of Mirrodin came along and redesigned the goblins to give them a unique Mirrodin look. Um, Spike Shot Goblin gets its art updated. So I think the idea was with the originals was that, you know, um, Memnarch had pulled all these creatures to Mirrodin using his uh, soul traps. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was that it might have been Dominarian goblins that he pulled, um, or it might have been I just don't think the attention to making plane specific. Right. This was their first real, this was their first real foray into a, a set that takes place off Dominaria. Arabian Nights was based on Earth. Portal Three Kingdoms was based on Earth. So those don't really even count. Uh, and then Ulgratha was originally supposed to be Dominaria, which is why you get things like Kerr Ridge versus Kerr Ridges. Um, <laughs> and the influence of Sarah, it ended up being, you know, written, explained in the story uh, that, like, the, the there's a relationship between the Minotaurs of both plane, and they just named it after their, their original home or something like that. But, you know, like, this is the first time magic really seriously jumped to a different world. So with that, let's look at another awesome uh, Mirrodin piece, Sundering Titan. And I think Carrie wanted to talk about that one. Yeah, um, it's... <laughs> it's a strong card, like, undeniably so. Um, not really playable many places. Because <laughs> it got but, banned. But for this new art update, we got um, the very vast fields of Mirrodin and a new flavor text from Glissa Sunseeker. And this one is kind of placed loosely between in the original Mirrodin block for even if we defeat it, what remains to be saved, Glissa Sunseeker. And then once we return to Mirrodin, she had been fully corrupted. So obviously not interested in necessarily saving the plane. <laughs> and the other one we wanted to talk about was Relentless Rats, which if you look at the original art, which has been around since I think Fifth Dawn, uh, and reprinted a couple times. It's these rats are 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 kind of they've got like metallic spines and they look a little weird, but you couldn't really pretty standard you know, for Mirrodin's creatures, which are all partly right. artifact. Because right, but if 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 you saw it in a reprint, it wasn't necessarily something you would immediately place on Mirrodin. It could mm-hmm. just be very weird looking rats. What I like about this new art is it very clearly places these rats in the Mephidros, which. You can kind of see in the original Thomas uh, Baga art, uh, but in the new art, the the rats themselves aren't quite as metallic. You, there, there's some subtlety there, like their teeth look very metal. And if you look closely, They're I can't on wait the to hex see plate. 
Right. And if you look closely, they're on the hex plate. Um, you can see the, the necrogen, uh, yeah, the necrogen the vents behind them. Um, and their, their, their teeth look like metallic. Um, I can't wait to get a better look at the full art to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not really a whole lot to talk about with them. I just like that it better placed them as a Mirrodin creature. Okay, so the next we want to talk about is Otaria gets some hardcore representation in this set. Yep. And part of next that is... Morph. Right. And part of that is because um, Morph is one of the major <clears throat> characteristics of the set. But also, you know, Otaria, the story on Otaria took place over the course of six sets. So that's a lot of cards. Like, uh, I think Rav- other than Ravnica, um, there aren't really very many specific locations that have that many sets dedicated to them so the first one we want to mention is uh zombify and andrew did you want to mention something about that yeah uh so originally printed in odyssey uh as you can tell by these neat watermarks but so like this is art that could be reprinted in any core set and look fine, but because we know the card is from Odyssey and it keeps the original Odyssey block flavor text, um, we can pretty much assume that this is an Aven belonging to the Order, uh, who opposed the Cabal. Um, um, yeah, so it's 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 a subtle detail, and it looks like it's from a a, uh, a loss the the Order suffered, which they suffered many in the over the course of the blocks, particularly in Torment. Yeah. Black then uh, you see a, a living version of what is likely an Order Aven uh, from Shoreline Ranger, done by the awesome uh, Magali Villeneuve, I think is how you pronounce it. Which is, first of all, I just love whenever she does a non-human, because they always look so gorgeous. Uh, her, her, her human artworks always look great, too. Um, they all look like they could be legendary creatures by themselves. Mm. But uh, when she gets to branch out into the, the creatures, I, I love it a lot. Um, and so this just shows, you know, that these Avon are kind of a big deal on Ataria. Yeah, that blade is sick. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, it. I I like that it. The shape of the blade echoes the the trailing wispy sashes that the Avon has. Also. And then we have uh, Willbender, which looks cool. There's not a whole lot to say about it, except there's a neat detail in that uh, in the original. Uh, Otaria sets the Mirrodin slowly transformed uh, the, the people Mirari. into the Mar- I'm, I'm about the Mirrodin the Marari yeah thank you slowly transforms people into like their more primal essence so elves look more like they start to look more wooden um, and green we'll get uh, to that wizards later. became yeah wizards became like blue and etheric and had like these tentacles popping off their head yeah, they, um, they kind of became like fluid like water but, yeah, yeah, they had these head tentacles early on, and so what's what's neat about Willbender is even though it's not like one of those wizards, the the braids that this character has kind of evokes that same tentacly hair look. Yeah. Uh, then after that, we have fierce empath and elvish aberration, which we should talk about together because um, they're they're by the same artist and they're clearly in the same like woods area, uh, and it just kind of shows the the the. It helps show the scale of Elvish Aberration. I think it's a really cool piece. It's These are the um, Wirewood Elves, which are transformed by the Mirari, and they are like green and 
bark-like skin, and they have kind of exaggerated heads and ears. Um, and then by and the aberration, you can see they're huge. I mean, it's, it's a four-five, like a four-five on a single elf is almost unheard of, uh, but not when they're like ten feet tall. And coming fresh off of many different scattered sets of double face cards where you get to see this kind of art direction in place where they're placed in one setting and then you transform the card and it's the same setting but a different character destroying that setting as a monster or affecting that setting in some new way it's unique to see that placed across two cards but it does really help tell the story yeah and and it's cool because you you can cast a fierce empath and search for your elvish aberration and then cast it um, so, yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 yeah, like, like Harry said, it is, it very much has that, uh, DFC before and after effect, which is really, cool. it's just, it's very cool detail. Mark Winters did an awesome job. I think, uh, he was one of the lead ADs for this art directors for this set. And he just did an awesome job all throughout. Uh, the next one we want to talk about is undead gladiator, which is one of several, uh, references to the cabal, which are, you know, this group of. Um, mafiosos, I almost want to say. They're a bit we'll like talk more the, about them later. Yeah. Uh, they're a bit like if the Orzov met the Rakdos, which I've talked about before. But what's neat is, um, first of all, this art is gorgeous. Uh, but what's neat is one of the things I didn't like about Ataria is a lot of the designs, especially on the Pardic Barbarians, it was very 90s. Like, it was very exaggerated, almost like fiberglass cosplay uh ronin warriors style over designs on the, the, yeah. the creatures you know pockets everywhere it was metal pieces yeah so this reimagines that design as a much more realistic um a much more realistic look which i really love and if you pay attention to the details uh behind in the original undead gladiator there are these symbols in the arena behind the gladiator which the um the Grand Coliseum was one of uh, the Cabal's major locations. They would constantly hold these pit fights there. Um, and what I like is that they kept all the details of the arena behind this undead gladiator. They could have set this anywhere, um, but it is essentially the same gladiator in the same arena, potentially even in the same fight, but with you know modern magic design sensibilities. And new flavor text. That says the cabal loves encores, which <laughs> which is very funny. Yeah. Which, which which is which is great. Like th- this, like uh, what what's <laughs> great about this flavor text is it embodies everything that makes flavor text great. So it's kind of uh, a quirky little jab in general. Very specifically, the encore gets referenced because this is a creature that can come back again and again and again. Um, Encores also applies theatrics, which is, you know, this this whole gladiator fight. You know, he's... This zombie's doing the are you not entertained thing from gladiator. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Which hadn't come out yet when the original block was out, I believe. Or had just come out. Somewhere along. Somewhere uh, in there. It would have been right around the same time. But we also know the Cabal's coming back in Dominaria. So this, the flavor text, also has this meta... Well, okay, it works you, saw, you saw them before, but 
now they're going to have an encore and you're going to get to see their evil deeds again. So, like, there's, <laughs> like, everything about that flavor text. It's the perfect thing for that card. It's the perfect flavor text to set up this next booster release. That That's, like, an A-plus card is, is Undead Gladiator. Everything about it is perfect. Yeah, it works out really well. So the next one we want to talk about is uh, Broodhatch Nantuko, which the Nantuko are one of uh, Dominaria's other pretty unique features. Is uh, you know I, I I was I was researching like how many planes had intelligent insectoid races, and it's you basically just, just Dominaria. Uh, it's it's almost none. Uh, it's, I actually yeah. wrote an article in my blog about um, Arthropodal uh, sapient uh, races, and they are almost non-existent and other than the nantuko they are created in magic purely for their horrific and non-human features um like so we can talk about the homerids uh based on lobsters there are the crawl on ravnica which are part of the gulgari they're all about death and sacrifice uh, and rot and stuff and they they are monstrous but the nantuko are kind of nice mystic druids and they are they look like grasshoppers uh, uh so they're kind of more non- like mantises but it's more like mantises yeah. yeah yeah but they're 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 non-threatening um they don't have like scythes like uh a mantis would have they have like they're they're not as threatening they're not like as pronounced as you would expect so they are um you know they're they're intent to evoke like uh, a, a much more peaceful vibe because they tend to be druids and caring about nature and then there are other ones like zira Iron, I think is the name from legends. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's this other unique insectoid race with stingers that acts as an assassin. Um, I thought that was a costume. No, it's uh, she's actually, no, she's a bug person. And that I forget that whole story. There's like a party and like a regular guest at Royal masquerade. Arian is the envy of court. She appears in a new costume every hour. She's a bug, yeah. I didn't. She's a bug with that wears costumes. Yes, I it's... thought she was a human wearing a bug costume all this time. So she also appears in both Legends novels as two completely different characters. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the less said about her, the better. Um, so the last one we talk want to talk about is Skirk Commando, which the uh, this is the more classic Dominaria Goblin design, mm-hmm. which are these like lanky green creatures, K- kind um, of the stereotypical goblin look. Big noses, little green, big ears. Yeah. And there's not a lot to say here, except I think it's kind of funny that he's actually doing a good job. He's wearing like a ghillie suit, essentially, where he's got like, he's in a field and he's wearing grass. But the Skirk where it was this, um, it's this location in the Pardic Mountains uh, where this specific tribe of goblins lived. Um, And those were the Otarian goblins. So it's just nice to see them again. Uh, with that, let's talk. We're going to jump around to a couple different planes. Uh, the first is the setting of Homelands, where we, like, this one really surprised me that they brought this back, but Isan's Shade uh, from Ogratha. And I think Carrie wanted to talk about this one. Yeah. Isan was a Saren Paladin once. And Jay posted the full story, um, the full original story, which was 
featured at the end of one of the comics, if I'm recalling correctly. So Homelands number one was like, it gives you the impression that it's one comic, but it was actually more like a trade paperback because it was like, it was actually the length of like three or four different comics and then had a huge section in the back with all the minor legends that didn't make it into the actual story. Yeah. And Isan was corrupted by Singir, was leading the army as of future set, which we saw in a little small cameo. Lestrak and Bolas are fighting for a while. Um, they go plane hopping during this adventure and hit up a few well-known planes like Ravnica, Kamigawa, and Olgratha. But when they're on Olgratha, Lestrak notes that a character very um, identifiably Isan and with a warrior's demeanor is at the head of this vampire army and then they just planes walk away so as of 60 years ago he's still alive so isan's thing is that he uh he had this dream as a youth of him defeating uh um uh, baron sengir who's yeah the the evil vampire that controls a big chunk of ogratha uh, and so he he spent years training, joined the Sarah Paladins, became one of their best warriors, and then disappeared one day because he decided he was going to take on Baron Sengir. But knowing as like a mortal, he couldn't do it. So he basically tries to trick Baron Sengir into turning him into a vampire because Sengir had created this little family for himself. He had uh, turned the Planeswalker Ravi into um, part of his family. She was called, known as Grandmother Sengir. Uh, he had turned this young uh, dwarven princess into a vampire, and that became his his daughter, essentially. So, uh, Irini, right? Was her name? Yeah, Irini. Yeah. Uh, so Isan comes and thinks he's gonna like trick the Baron into making him part of his family, but the Baron is real uh, genre savvy. As Ethan section. put it, though, as yeah, yeah, as as Ethan Fleischer put it, uh, who his, uh, his this this whole set was his brainchild. Um, so uh instead he rather than turning him he drains his life force and then binds his spirit or his shade uh to a ring that the baron wears uh so that isan would have to perpetually serve him forever uh and so the sarens the saren paladins all believe that he's a, a traitor and you know this one foolish moment of trying to take on dark power to uh, defeat the Baron once and for all just backfired on him spectacularly so he's this really tragic figure but the one thing that's really important to note about him is if you look closely his like spectral cape is attached by these two sigils I want to call them which is this circular motif that's uh, divided into four quadrants uh, this white and like orangey tan color and that's going to be really important later because that, I believe, connects him. That's like his last remaining connection to the Saren Paladins. Got but that, that design, branding. right? But that design just it pops up a bunch of places. So yeah, we'll talk about we'll, that more in a we're minute. We're going to talk about that more. Yeah. So then we have Erg Raiders, which I I think Andrew you had looked up what an Erg is. Yeah. Uh, so an Erg is uh, a region of a desert with a lot of windblown sand dunes. So, uh, in in this art, so Ur- Urg's not a person or a specific location. These are just raiders who live in the middle of a dune-filled desert. Um, and the art places them on top of a dune silhouetted by the sun. Uh, the, the art's awesome. <laughs> um, 
Oh my they're god, they're very like they're they're so intimidating and scary. Um, the 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 contract just makes it like so easy to see at card size. Um, Kev Walker crushed this as he tends to do. Um, yeah, and Kev like just seeing like this new art from Kev Walker, who like at the beginning of Magic, Magic had this forever. Yeah, who had a very sketchy style, and then like this piece, it just shows like his range and skill, uh, how much it's increased over the years. Um, and it's just really cool to see, like, because I would not have placed that as a Kev Walker piece. Right. Like it's the art, the new art in this, it's just so cool. And it's so good. There's no flavor thing, but like the doomsday art by Noah Bradley and the dirt or dread art by Seth McKinnon, like, like the, this new art is just mind-blowingly outstanding. Um, Ghost Ship by uh, Bastien Deharm, who, by the way, we have to obligatory Terry Goodkind. I'm sorry, screw we, Terry Goodkind. We don't swear on this show, Jay. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. Okay. No swearing. <laughs> All right. An Imperial Recruiter isn't a specific setting. Yeah. But- Portal Three Kingdoms no, was was a weird set in that it was based on actual an actual Chinese story, and um, so it was uh, uh, Arabian Nights. We should mention yeah. it's been reflavored yeah, that, to be the Plain of Rabia, but it's entirely based on Arabian Nights. So there weren't too many safe cards to use because they reference things like Allah and other real world mythology. Yeah. Uh, so Imperial, let's talk about Imperial Recruiter real quick because cool. this and it's. Th- I, I think while the um, the art here is kind of I what I'm hoping is that this actually ties to uh, that new oh, product you that should have mentioned out with something later this about year. this earlier because that just clicked for me yeah we have yeah that, uh, we have a new product coming out later this year um, a new planeswalker deck pair um, that was was designed Spe- specifically. Uh, with a lot of the the wizards, uh, the Chinese crew, um, it's going to feature two new uh, planeswalkers inspired by Chinese folklore. I hope we I hope we get some good story stuff with like like even if they could just do like a one shot story with those characters, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, me too. Okay, so then I think we wanted to talk about uh, the last, uh, before we get into Stang. some very specific stuff, is Stang. And his brother, Stang Twin. Odd name Stang. Yeah, Stang and his brother, Stang Twin. So Stang is one of those cards that has been around forever. Uh, it's back all the way back from Legends. And people have wanted his token forever because there's never been a Stang Twin token. Um And so we finally get that, uh, except Stang has taken off his helmet, and his helmet design is kind of evoked in his his armor. Uh, And it's actually one piece of art uh, that shows both of them from Stang and the Stang twin. So this was all done by Izzy, and it was a single piece of art with the two of them standing next to each other. Because a lot of people, I saw their first reaction is, oh, they just made the... um, they just mirrored the original art, but that's not the case. There are no, a lot of you, you. You look the. It's the lighting is from. If they had just mirrored it, the lighting would have been mirrored also. But you can tell looking at the Stang and the Stang Twin token that it's the same light source, and that right. Izzy confirmed on Twitter that it was a single piece. And I really hope so, we get to see that. 
Stang Twin has a uh, the Stang Twin has a sigil on his forehead that's kind of lit up and glowing, while the original Stang has his armor is lit up and glowing. There are other some subtle differences, like the the earrings they have aren't in the same ear, um, and there are a couple other like subtle differences there. And then the background's completely different, so it's just a very cool piece of art that I love. So then the last things we want to talk about here are the Saren flavor of the set. We already mentioned with Isan, he has the Sarah sigil. And the reason we know that is um, if you look at Renewed Faith, uh, the woman there with the stained glass behind her has like 17 pieces of flair. Like she has so many of these Sarah sigils on her. And then if you look at the Dominaria packaging, like the Avon there has the sigil. The angel has the sigil, and uh, the stained glass background in Renewed Faith really links it to the new Benalian look that we see in the new Dominaria artwork, where they have uh, this very stained glass aesthetic that goes along with, you know, references to Sarah and Sarah's realm we've seen there. So it's just a very, very cool uh, detail, which yeah, I we, think is... We, we talked about um, this connection in... Uh, the first podcast a bit, but the the more pieces of art that come out with the symbol, the more clear that this is a recurring motif that is important and pay attention. And we are directly telling you to say, hey, this is important. Pay attention to this symbol. Yeah, exactly. Watch for it. We're going to see this symbol in Dominaria. And so pay attention to it. <laughs> then we've got coalition relic which is a you know it's an older card but what's neat is the floor the marble floor there it's weird to talk about time spiral block as older cards yeah i know uh, right but, but it's, it's 10 it's years been ago 10 years yeah um it's when actually future sight is when i got back into the game after dropping it around odyssey so you know it's very it's a very memorable time for me it was when i was just dropping out of the game after high school. so coalition relic um you can at first uh, you couldn't place it anywhere but if you look closely there's this reflection of stained glass on the ground which makes me think it's like part of this new banalia new order of sarah people uh and new it, it would be appropriate because new order of sarah was teased in a piece of flavor text in the time spiral block uh, i think it was a planar chaos card uh, sarah's boon um so it's just very, very neat to see that reference. And, you know, the stained glass motif is going to be very important for placing this faction. Yeah, we can see brings... it a little bit in uh, Angelic Page. Uh, not at card size, but uh, Chris Ron did post the art. Um, oh, it's and so gorgeous. Chris Ron is like a god among insects when it comes to painting. Um, and you can he posted some close-ups of uh these spires in the background of the angelic page art and you can see all the stained glass in them which again is um a, a, a motif that's linked to new banalia and then these floating islands we saw in a piece of uh dominaria promotion art that was from the investors meeting that got posted yeah on from like last summer um, it was the first piece of dominaria art we saw yeah it was teasing that that teased those islands above new banalia so like we're starting to build an idea of what this location looks like on dominaria now 
So it's important to note as well that this angelic page is not Sarah's realm because yeah. Sarah's sanctum, like there's this C-shaped building in uh, Sarah's realm. The letter C, and not like the ocean. The letter C, right. And you, we see a similar looking building on the uh, the cover of the Dominaria art book and here in angelic page. But they're two different buildings because... Um, the Sarah's Realm one has some slightly different structures attached to it, while the one in the background of Angelic Page here is exactly the same as the one we see in the Dominarian art book. Uh, so this actually takes place, this is uh, on Dominaria, uh, and that's how we made that link, is the, um, that letter C-shaped building does not perfectly match the Sarah's Realm version, but it does match the one on the cover of the Dominaria art book. Uh, and with that, with all those connections, I wish we had more time, but it looks like we are going to have to cut and uh, uh, leave this as our Masters 25 podcast. And then next time, we're going to dive onto just what all those Sarah connections mean uh, and also give some more background on what you need to know for Dominaria. Great. I mean, we could talk for like 16 more hours, but... <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do that. No, we want this to be a listenable length for people. Yeah. And also, like, I don't want it to take us a full day to edit down this podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Into what it, you know, because it takes a while to edit this and to get rid of all our ums and uh, asides. Well, me too. Me too. So, all right. uh, Last thoughts, Andrew. Uh, Masters 25 is cool. Pay attention to the Sarah Sigils. Uh, Kabu have six legs. Let's see if they all have six legs if they return. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Master 25 just... it The... The way it invokes all these past elements of magic is just so fun. Um, like... And and we've talked about important Vorthos for connections in these new art and new flavor texts, but like... There's pieces of new art that we haven't talked about that are still just so incredible. Um, Niels Ham's Path of Peace. You know, Niels is known for creepy textured art, but this is like, there's so much detail. Uh, it's so bright. Like, it's just like something we've never really seen that much from Niels. It's great. Um, Sarah Winter's piece on Loyal Century is so good. Like, uh, like all the art, in the new art in this set, it's just so excellent. Um, I, I I can't wait to see these cards in person. Um, I'm, I'm just really excited for Masters 25. This, this It's so neat. <laughs> All right. Uh, Carrie, last thoughts? Figured out what those big landmarks on Dominaria are. What are they? They got a magnet on one side, and then <laughs> same magnet on the underside of the Sarah's Realm thing, so it keeps them levitated. <laughs> Uh, okay. That's not correct. Yeah. Don't pay attention to that. That would be funny, though. What if that was right? Carrie, Carrie has morphed into like the premier Vorthos troll <laughs> over the last <laughs> over the last year or so with stuff that's just so perfect. Yeah, yeah. If, like, uh, if Carrie even the creative tweets, team is like groaning every time they see it. If Carrie ever tweets uh, a story excerpt from from that week's story, I've it, tried to keep the story excerpts a little clean for the most part yeah but yeah. you you edit them and they're really funny <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they're, they're all pretty obvious though yeah all right well thank you all and this has been the vorthos cast